Jim Murray is the co-founder of the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House. Born in West Philadelphia, he is a 1960 alumni of Villanova University. In 1969, Jim joined the Philadelphia Eagles public relations staff. Five years later, he was named general manager for the Eagles, where he served for nine years and took the franchise to the first Super Bowl appearance against the Oakland Raiders in Super Bowl XV. During his 14 years with the Eagles, Jim distinguished himself as a leader in a number of projects that served the community. In addition to co-founding the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House, he helped start the Eagles Fly for Leukemia campaign. He also persuaded many of his peers in the NFL to become involved in the unique Ronald McDonald House concept across the country. The Ronald McDonald House programs provide temporary lodging, transportation, meals, and social services to families who travel to Philadelphia for pediatric care. I should mention that my dad, now retired, is a volunteer at the Ronald McDonald House. He drives the shuttle bus there several days a week, taking families to and from the local children's hospital. And I'm not sure there are many experiences in his life that top the joy he has for working as a part of the Ronald McDonald House operation. He says it has been truly life-changing for him. So it's very special for me to be able to sit down and chat with the guy who started it all. Jim joins me on this episode of Be the Good to discuss the flagship Ronald McDonald House here in Philadelphia as it works to support families of seriously ill children, creating a community of comfort and hope. This guy is one of the sweetest people I have ever had the pleasure of speaking to. He clearly has a strong love for his city and a huge heart and passion for doing good and helping others. Let's take a listen. Hi, Jim. How are you? Well, I'm sharing the Ronald McDonald House story. Great. We're so happy to have you here today, Jim. Thanks for taking the time to be here with us. First, if you don't mind telling us a bit about yourself, I understand you grew up in the Philadelphia area, went to high school and college here, and eventually went on to become the general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles. Can you tell us about your experience growing up here in Philly and what led you to eventually become involved in the Eagles organization? Well, I don't think there are any accidents. I think God has a plan. I'm still like my term paper, incomplete. But one of the things that happened to me was I grew up at 812 Brooklyn Street, not far from here. We were poorer than poor, but we were richer than rich. My pop-up Kelly lived on the next step, and there were no door locks. Everybody took care of everybody. Somebody got on defense. Somebody took care of you. Your kids got sick. And, and you had not just an open house, you had an open heart. And that was the mustard seed that equaled what we're having to talk about today. Because here I am, the like, unlikeliest guy in the world. I, I flunked biology so many times at Villanova as a student baseball manager. So for me to be involved in this story, only a McMiracle. I call it now the McMiracle. But what happened is, and it always happens with a child. It was a little girl. Uh, her name was Kim Hill. And her mom and dad, he played for the Eagles. He was a movie star. You would have loved him. I mean, the California guy looked the part. And their life was normal, and they were living in Jersey. A lot of the Eagles guys live across the bridge. And uh, all at once, he got that thing that defines the Ronald House. The doctor said, Kim has leukemia. Changed his life forever. Changed our life. The reason we're doing this interview. Because when Kim got sick, just like in Philly, if you're a neighborhood guy, the neighbors, a guy named Stan Lane, a bunch of guys started a charity called Eagles fly for leukemia. And we had a big event. Leonard Toes, our owner, who was just the best, he said, Mar, it's got our name on it. Check it out. So not only did I check it out, I was petrified. As I said, I never passed biology. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> the frog open. So 
the first thing I did, I prayed about it. And I said, well, let me go down and uh, meet the doctor. So I went down to see Dr. Audrey Evans. But first of all, I went to the hospital where Kim was being taken care of. That was at St. Christopher's Hospitals in North Philly. And her doctor, who just went to heaven, Dr. Lori Naiman, took me on a tour. And, of course, being a little bit of a religious fanatic, I'm looking for the chapel, St. Christopher's. Well, they didn't have a chapel. They had what my wife was, I lived in. It was called the quiet room. <laughs> so I went in there, and I said, God, whatever you want to do. So here was Dr. Naiman, took me on a tour, bottom line. Uh, I said, Doc, what do you need? The Eagles want to help you. And I'll never forget his line. He looked me right in the eye. He was built like me, and he said, Jimmy, we need everything. And then he said something that changed all of our lives. He said, but there's someone with a greater need. I can't believe this guy's going to send me to somebody else. But once again, God had a plan. So I jump in the car and I go to Children's Hospital and meet this doctor. He told me about Dr. Audrey Evans. Well, Dr. Evans could have been a sister of no mercy. I'm petrified. Her. I walk in. She's brilliant. She's a genius. She's running that whole department at CHOP. And I said, Doc, what do you need? I'm Jim Murray from the Philadelphia Eagles. And she said, what are they? Oh, my God. I said, you know what the Eagles are? <laughs> I, said, I don't know anything about that. Strike one. So then I said, well, uh, gee, uh, I said that we're on TV every week. I don't have a television. Oh, my gosh. Strike two. Then I said those most important words in life. I said, we have cash. Oh, my God. Sit down. <laughs> said, what do you need? Uh, I said, well, I, she said, we need everything, but – we need a room for kids that are on getting oncology, getting radiation therapy or something, and they have to be in a sterile. So I, once again, okay, how much? And um, she said fifty thousand dollars. I said, well, I'm going to introduce you to Leonard Toes. He's our owner. So that was the none of these things happened by accident. And Leonard says, "Sir, what do you need?" And she says, "Well, I need a room where kids can be in a sterile environment." And Leonard was no concentration. How many rooms? Two. So that's 100K even with the old man. But Leonard was the kind of guy, he said, no, what else do you need? I said, well, the whole floor costs a million dollars. And he said, well, that's what we'll do. We'll, uh, we'll pledge a million dollars and Jimmy will raise it. Oh, my God. Now I'm going for the room. Jimmy will raise it. million dollars. So long story short again, which is hard for me. I read about it and I thought, who should I call? I called a guy named Don Tuckerman. Who was Don Tuckerman? He was the ad guy for Elkman Advertising, and they had the McDonald's account. And we had done some stuff together, and I called him. I said, Donnie, you got to talk. So he says, what is it? I said, well, there's this doctor. Her name's Audrey Evans, Children's Hospital. So uh, he said, well, you got to go see uh, the guy who's the, uh, you know, later became the president of McDonald's. And uh, here I am talking to these guys, and I said, what's your next promotion? He said, your guy. I said, who's my guy? St. Patrick's Day, Shamrock Shake. So I'm green milkshakes, green money, and we're going. I said, see if we can get a quarter from each Shamrock Shake. Maybe that'll start it. We'd set a collection. That was the first money. But so then, the initial funding, the initial funding came from McDonald's sponsoring by way of giving proceeds from their Shamrock campaign. Is that right? It was the McMiracle, as I call it. It was an amazing story because. It was Philly. It was my old neighborhood. It was when you got in trouble, nobody asked to, they just took care of you. Your neighbors came in, you stayed with them. So, you know, once again, it's too long a story, but it's a Philly story. And I understand the very first house was on Spruce Street. Is that right? That's correct. And that, How that, long were you at that location before you were eventually led to the Chestnut Street location? 
Well, the first thing that happened with Dr. Evans and Judy Bloor, who worked for her, she made her the first mom of the house, the person to take care of it. God's timing was perfect. And the house was sold out immediately because probably the toughest word to understand the English language is healthcare. And you get on defense and your kid has to go to a different location in a different city to be taken care of. Well, this was, and CHOP is one of the great hospitals in the world, like St. Chris's. And here's a guy who makes an unselfish act, sends me to CHOP, changes my life by meeting Dr. Evans. But that house was sold out every night. And people would come from all over the world to come to CHOP. And if you come to our kitchen, the old house, there was a map of the world. And there were little things on it. Well, it told you what country they came from. And then, you know, we outgrew the house the first day. So getting the second house and... There's a funny story behind that, but I, you know, I ended up finding this house because you can't buy any land here because Penn and Drexel take all these places. What happened is this was the perfect place because, and we didn't have a lot of bedrooms, about 20. We moved here, but we needed that. And I'm not into numbers, but there are 127 bedrooms with the new addition in this house that takes care of people from all over the world. Can you tell us about this beautiful facility that exists today, how the house operates and all that you offer to the families of children who are seriously ill? Well, once your child's seriously ill on this day and medicine is very complicated. Uh, I remember when we opened the New York house, Sloan Kettering, the doctor there said about 4% of the kids with leukemia got cured. 10 years later, they cured 80 some percent. Wow. So the, the great thing that these doctors, nurses and hospitals do but still, when your child's sick, your, your life stops, your whole concentration. And to put you sitting down at a dining table with people with the same issues, strangers become your best friends for life. I remember going to the, uh, the big convention at McDonald's two years ago. And the first things they said at the, at the opening were, well, to give you a little update on what's going on in the world, there are now um, 385 houses in 40 countries. And I'm thinking, my God, this is the story of Philly again. And then the second thing he said, or she said, was there are 501,000 volunteers. And the third thing, which was really impressive, there was a, a, a con- company in the first row. She said, the little girl there works for a medical company, and they just wrote us a check for $100 million. <laughs> so here I am, 812 Brooklyn Street. <laughs> you know? And and once again, you can't put a a boundary on prayer or the goodness of people or the old neighborhood. So it's it's developed into, and I've been blessed to be in half the houses in the world. I've opened them or traveled all over. And what you meet is the same person. You meet a mom and dad. You know, we had a meeting today and a dad shared his story of his son, Jack. If you didn't cry, if you didn't just get excited He's a McMiracle, I call it. He came back from just, you know, a little four or five-year-old guy that this house served. And to hear a parent tell the story, that's much better than me. But I never get used to it. I don't take it for granted. And that's the power of prayer. It's amazing. And I'm wondering, how does your volunteer system work? What type of jobs do the volunteers do? I know my dad volunteers there, and he drives the the uh, shuttle bus. There's, I know my, my brother has helped out at times cooking in the kitchen with groups. Um, but that's all I'm familiar with. What other opportunities well, are you, there for the volunteers? Right there because Susan, 
our our director and the lady. She started like your dad. She drew, she drew one of the shuttles. But that's what happens. You know, even though it's not far from here, just being with other parents, sitting in a bus, going over to spend the tough times to go through the surgeries, to go through the whole what you have to do when you have a sick child. And the second part where your other guys work is the kitchen. I remember when I hired Dick Vermeil, he had a list of things that he wanted, and he had a page longer than me. And the first thing he said is round tables at training camp. I said, what the heck does that mean? And he said, well, I, I'm a detailed guy. And you know what? I, I looked at, we got to be able to look each other in the eye when we talk to each other. And that's the essence of the Ronald House. We don't have all round tables, but people break bread together. People are in the, in the rec room together. Your father's taking them over in the shuttle together. So what happens is you become a family. I have My life has changed. I could talk for days about families that I've gotten close to that have changed my life forever. And, and, and that's what it is. And it's the old neighborhood. So life's a full circle. Sure it, is. It's 812 Brooklyn Street. And here we are in Chester Street. They just put up a, a big plaque. Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, came in when we opened the first house. Leonard Toes, the owner of the Eagles. Uh, you know, just we're all in it together. It's just an incredible story. And it's amazing to know that there's now that many houses around the world and that many people volunteering and that many children and their families being taken care of. It's just absolutely incredible. And you also have a summer camp for kids who are treated at CHOP, um, I understand. My dad actually volunteered there this summer for the first time, and he had nothing but incredible things to say, just like yourself, of just talking about the impact that it has on you to see kids get this experience. So the camp is open to children who are treated at CHOP up to the age of 17 years old, and their siblings can join too, which I think is really great. Can you tell us about this amazing week-long experience for these kids and how you feel an experience like this is beneficial for the kids and their families? I went up last year when your dad was there, and several things really leaped off the page. I had a chance to share the story I'm sharing with you with 70 volunteers. But one of the volunteers in one group were guys and gals working in these hospitals who gave up their summer vacation to spend 10 days at camp. So here's an unselfish act right away. But but what you say and what you – it's just like coming here. You don't know anybody's sick. These kids at camp are doing all the stuff you do at camp. I'm a Marine, and I wasn't any good at camp. I mean, my God, these kids are doing everything. There. And there was a little blind kid, he and I, and he was more one-liners than me. He told me so many jokes. But what I saw was the thing you can't speak or write. What I saw there was the spirit of the Ronald House in a place where the kids were treated just like they are here, like there was a normal camp, a normal day. And they had, this kid was telling me jokes. He should have been Don Rickles. He, he was so funny. And we just connected. And that's what happens at the Ronald House. But the camp is, it, it, it's, I had gone to camp a lot in years, but I hadn't been there a couple of years. I just cried at the joy of these kids being, quote, normal kids, getting together, going out on the lake, taking the canoe, you know, and by being together and then having all these beautiful volunteers, just like at this house, like your dad, taking care of their other needs. So life's a team sport. I'm a team guy. I'm wearing the Eagles and Villanova and Ronald House, all these logos. But the real logo is in your heart. You know, love your neighbor. Be a good neighbor. 
Somebody's on defense. Hey, help them. And sometimes it's not by saying a word. It's just by being present. And I saw that at the camp. I left that camp. I just cried because once again, you know, you can't put limits on prayer. Absolutely. I've got the chills because I think it's just so, it's so touching what you're doing. And I'm so grateful to hear this story. And on this show, we, we talk a lot about the topic of compassion and community. Can you tell us your opinion on the importance of fostering compassion and community for families like the ones that stay at, at Ronald House who are facing such challenging circumstances? Well, today, everything's 82 miles an hour and email and BC before cell phones. People don't even look at each other in the eye. And what you see here is the old neighborhood. It is, it is the, it's not just the commandment, love thy neighbor. It's people who don't, who are strangers who become best friends for life. And your dad represents the quintessential staff of the Ronald House. People who have worked here, people don't even know their names. But all at once, his little thing, helping a kid out of a car with a family when they go get their x-rays or their diagnosis at CHOP. It, it's the ordinary things that become extraordinary. And you come here, this place is fully alive. I mean, you want to know these kids are sick, and they're all integrating, and they literally become friends for life. I I, got, I could give you a good example. A lady who worked with me, I said, one day a week after Ronald House, she had to be a volunteer. <clears throat> she said, uh, come over here, you got to meet this guy. Well, the short version of the story is she introduced me to a guy named Rick Taylor. Who was Rick Taylor? He was from Wisconsin. And Rick's two first children were two girls, Emily and Claire, and they were conjoined. They were conjoined. They had 50 surgeries. We got so close to them. My wife, Diane, has got such a good heart. We moved them in with us. They become part of our family. 35 years I've known these families. The two girls got married. You know, it's the miracle. They adopted three kids. They just came to see all where we used to have a house. And, you know, they brought their adopted kids with them. So you see the best of life. You hear all, and the hardest word to define in the English language is healthcare. But what healthcare is the old neighborhood? Hey, the guy next door has a problem. I'll give him a cup of soup. You know, so the Ronald House is not that complicated. And Mickey D's, God bless them, those owner operators. We had a ladies' golf tournament. This guy named Herb Lottman. Who's Herb Lottman? Uh, his sister Marlene's on the board. Well, Herbie was the guy who was the biggest supplier of meat at McDonald's on a handshake. Didn't even have a contract. But he raised 50 million bucks with ladies golf for this house. Herbie was one of us. He was a neighborhood guy. And his sister being here. And so this is a Philly story. As I said, you look at the, you look at all the things that started in Philly. You know, a bunch of farmers. Ah, we'll call it the Constitution. We'll do this. And, uh, you know, God has, you, you can't put limits on prayer or the goodness of people's heart. I cannot thank you enough for being here and sharing this story with us because it's an incredible story and it's very clear that a lot of it comes from the heart of yourself and everyone else who started this organization. And the fact that you're still there and you're still so involved is also amazing. You know why you don't get used to the beauty of seeing one child smile and a family say, you know what, thank God that I met new families that can share with me. Thank you so much for what you do, and thank you for making this such an incredible organization worldwide and for helping families all over the world. Well, life's a team sport, and uh, we got in the Super Bowl when I was there. There's the ring for finishing second. They <laughs> won, but I, I call this my spiritual Super Bowl. God answered the prayer, and everybody here is on the same team, 
and thank you for doing this. If you enjoyed this episode of the Be The Good podcast, please like, comment, and share. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts or your favorite Google Play app. And be sure to follow me on Instagram for daily inspiration at be.thegood. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that we can all find our own way to be the good. Thank you.